So, hello and a big welcome to all of you out there who are listening and seeing this podcast. Today we have a special guest. Um, it is Amanda Marie Whitmire, and you have something special to share with us. Please tell us about it. Welcome to you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I have been doing something really special now for four years. So I wanted to come and share a little bit about it. I uh, work out of Las Vegas, Nevada, here in the U.S. And while most people think it's just a crazy party town, there's mm -hmm. actually a lot of <laughs> cowboys and cowgirls and horse people here. So it's really been awesome to connect with all these horse people. And my main mission is to get the wild Mustangs that the government has been rounding up, that they're just duplicating every five years out there in the wild um, the government rounds them up and my goal is to find them forever homes but I found that that's really hard to do when you're just focusing on the horse so what I really try to do is focus on the people too because there's a ton of people that love horses and want to get into it but they have no idea where to start they don't even know how to brush a horse and yet they're they want to take on a wild mustang they want to help they want to do the right thing so that's kind of where I bridge the gap and help people learn how to love horses and be around horses and then eventually focus on the mustangs and help gentle them and help them get the trust that they need to be good around humans and then help the people you know, feel confident enough to really train them and have them in their care forever, which is the ultimate goal. So yeah, right now we do weekly lessons and I have 31 students. So yeah, it sounds fantastic. I know with, oh, it's a, a big work with a normal horse. I can imagine what it is with a Mustang. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> a lot different, especially when you get them very first from the wild corrals they're definitely really scared they have no idea you know even feeding them hay and dropping the hay in the bin is so scary for them and it's just yeah. you have to have a bigger space for them than a normal horse and you have to have taller fences than a normal horse so there's a lot more that goes into it but after even a few weeks a lot of most of them are you know they've come a long way in that time is it a, a special age you get them or is it all ages um it's really all ages they round up all ages and then they adopt out all ages so for me I like to have a horse that's at least three years old just so that they can get started with riding soon once they're not used to all the regular stuff because a lot of people want a good riding horse so that's what I kind of focus on and not too old that people won't really take the responsibility for them forever. So, but you can get just a horse that's a year old or even younger, and you can really form that bond as they're younger. And then they, I think personally, they are a little bit more malleable and you can do more with them while they're younger and they haven't really gotten that fight or flight out in the wild instinct yet, but it really depends. There's some that I've had that are six and seven that are still totally crazy and never want to be touched so it's mm -hmm. just every horse is so different okay is it the who is it do they catch them out and put them for sale or how do they do that 
Um, so they kind of, the Bureau of Land Management manages each different area. So it's mostly in the west half of the U.S. There, there's these big areas. So where my horse is from is actually right outside of Las Vegas. It's called Red Rock HMA, which is the herd management area. And that area, they say that about 800 horses can live in harmony with the plants and the other animals. When there's more and more horses than that, then they start eating all of the plants and then there's nothing. They start, you know, there's a lot of destruction that these horses can do that's not really yeah. talked about because they're so beautiful, but they really do a lot of damage. And they don't just pair up. Every single stallion wants to breed with every single mare and they don't care if the horse is two years old or 15. So a lot of these you know, mares are having babies when they're two years old and they're having babies every single year. So that's really hard on them. So the government takes that all into account. And when my horse was rounded up in 2018, they had about 1600 horses on the land. So there was about double than Ooh. the land can hold. And so they took off 800 horses. So what they did for that one is they built a big water like a little tiny pond I guess and they put a bunch of fence around it and then when the horses came to drink because it's the desert here and there's no water anywhere they were very excited about this giant pond of water and when they came to drink they just closed the fence off and when the water drained out or they drank it all after a few days then they had a big truck with a trailer come and they kind of shooed them closer and closer and into the trailer truckload by truckload and then they take them to these holding pens that are basically just big pastures where they put a few hundred horses out and then they give them hay every day there's little shade structures there they have fresh water all day so the government's spending about 67 percent of their budget right now for managing all of the land on just feeding and watering these extra horses that have come off the land but okay. It's so hard. That's and then they do some they do helicopter roundups, which the public usually is takes that really hard because it is hard on the horses to yeah. chase them out of the woods, but you just can't really do it any other way in some of these really mountainous areas where you just there's no way to safely get these horses out and into wow. good homes. So they're all just going to die out there eventually if they keep, you know, producing and producing and yes. reproducing and going crazy and eating everything. So mm. it's a struggle. Yeah. <clears throat> how how long will it take? I know you can't say uh, every every horse how long it takes, but how how long has it take take for the longest way for one of your horses <laughs> um so the the biggest challenge that I have had is a horse called Faith and I had her I picked her up for a hundred day gentling challenge that a lot of these trainers do as kind of an incentive to try to see how much you can do in a hundred days and after a hundred days I still could barely put the halter on and lead her around a little bit and that was about it and she would just get so scared and she would just run off and you'd be dragging yourself around. She would do whatever it takes to get away. And after about a year, I spent probably almost $5,000 on her 
and then just feeding her and taking care of her. And then I sold her to another trainer for $1. And that <laughs> trainer worked with her for another year and still could not get through to her. And so uh, that wow. trainer ended up finding a sanctuary where they basically just kind of let the horses out to be wild and they drop the food for them. But they don't expect too much from them. So that was, I think the best situation for her, but there are some that are just, I don't know, or you can, the government will take some of them back if they're within a certain time frame, and you can try to go get a different one, but there are definitely some that are just not wanting to be domesticated whatsoever. It's hard, but but it sounds great that she she finally got her place and and can be alone and be a horse. Yes, there's a lot of these ones that they're just sold to auction, and a lot of people know that a lot of auction houses will sell horses that are shipped off to Mexico and stuff like that. So there's yeah. a lot of these mustangs in these situations now, and everybody's you know blaming the BLM for why would you even adopt them out and why even give people a chance? But I just really advocate for giving people a chance because yeah. I've seen so many more great stories than I have seen bad stories. So. Mm. I think there's just not enough shared from that side of it. I think, you know, everybody sees one bad thing and they want to tell everybody about it, but Mm. it's the students that come every week and they see the progress and then they adopt their own horse. And it's like, I don't know, to me, that's so magical. So it's worth it to do that and continue that. But people are you are mostly like it, it should happen yesterday, such as big, that that they wanted fast and they wanted the horse to uh, surrender and and all these things. How do you do with your students? Are they they very patient? <laughs> <laughs> well, they learn patience very fast by okay. <laughs> realizing that mustangs are just so different than a normal horse. When I got my first one, I went to she had already been gentled, she had already gone to a competition, she had already been riding. So she was like, you know, a normal horse. And I went to put a fly sheet on her and I walked into her stall and she just freaked out about it and ran all around. And I was like, okay, I have to rethink how I do everything with horses, but it actually helped me a lot in the long run because that was four years ago. And now I treat every horse like a wild Mustang because I give them the chance to have that fear. And I think about things more creatively. And I really like, there's not just one thing that works for every horse. And if you can take that mentality and put it towards any of your training with any horses, I think that it's beneficial because they're just, they're so scared at first, but then they do open up and they do trust. And this, they, there's this Mustang saying that fast is slow and slow is fast, or maybe that's just a normal horse saying, but I think that's so true when it comes to horses, because the slower you go at first, just building their trust and just being with them, the faster your progress is in the long run. And it's so cool to watch that happen. Yeah. And, and I always said that you learn the most of the difficult horses, because if you have an easy horse, you just can go on riding and then you don't learn not learning anything yeah there's always something for them to teach you I feel like yeah yeah Yeah. but you you also start to ride them in your riding school 
Yeah. So usually what I do is I'll get a completely wild one from the pen. I'll go, it's about five hours away. So I'll drive and I'll pick one up. Usually it's for a hundred day challenge or something that I'm trying to do for more of a competition, but everybody in the Mustang world knows that the first goal is just to get the horse out of the pen. The second goal is to, you know, win the competition or whatever else it is. But as long as we're getting one out and we're giving it a good home, that's the priority. So usually I'll get one for that. And then I'll start the process. I'll kind of do the initial gentling where I'm getting the halter on and I'm leading it around in its small pen or maybe taking it out and walking it around. And then once my students see me do that and they feel comfortable, if they want to, some of them just want to focus on horses that are already can be ridden and they just want to focus on their own riding skills. But some of them are really interested in this next section of my excite my excitement and my mission so they will come in the pen with me and they'll spend their time their hour that they come for the week in the pen with me working on whatever it is that that horse needs next so if I'm trying to get the halter on over the ears and the horse keeps you know moving its head then that's what we're going to spend the whole hour on and we're going to do things I'm going to show them different exercises to focus on just that one issue and then Next time they come, we can work with a different horse or go on a trail ride or something. But when they want to do that Mustang specific stuff, then they do that. And then this last summer, one of my students, Jordan, she came and it was about two weeks after my horse Canyon arrived and she fell in love with him, just seeing him. And she went in the pen and she started working with him. And I told her, if you want to come almost every day, you can come, you can come in the pen with me, you can work on stuff. And she had already been riding with me for about nine months, but she had never had her own horse and she had never ridden before that. So, and she was 30 in her thirties. So, Mm -hmm. so it was really a cool experiment, experiment for me to see, can I take somebody that loves horses and just kind of skip over the normal horse step and go straight to the Mustang. And she was in that pen every single day for about a month. And finally I said, if you want to buy them from me, And then, you know, I'm basically helping you with the process, but you're the main person. And she was like, for sure. So she bought him and then I was basically her trainer, but we still did the same things that we were doing. And now she's riding him, cantering all over. We're working on some like virtual shows that this Mustang club that we're a part of runs and we're just doing all sorts of stuff. We're about to go on a big trail ride in a few weeks. So it's really, really, that's like my favorite is to see people like that, where they just get rid of their fear and they're willing to take that step and learn along with their horse. And it's just been such a journey with them. So that's been so much fun to watch. It feels like they're meant for each other. Yeah. And then I just got another Mustang. His name is Gershwin. He's named after an American composer and his owner just out of the blue came to one of my healing circles that I do with the horses every I do once a month I do like this healing circle where everybody comes and just is around the horses and we brush them and we listen to music and she came and she was terrified of horses and she said eventually I want to own a horse well fast forward like one month and I went and picked up this horse and she immediately fell in love with him and she's like I think this is just meant to be I just think he's just meant to be my horse. So 
she adopted him and now I'm still going to do the challenge with him in July. There's a big Mustang challenge at South Point here where all of the top Mustang trainers are going to come from all over the country. And this is kind of my first extreme challenge where you go from wild to riding. Usually it's just non-riding stuff where you're walking them through an obstacle course and you're showing people that you can brush them and stuff like that. This one's going to be a full big riding competition. So I'm nervous, but I'm excited about that. But it's so cool to see how different this horse is. And when he's around my student, who's now his owner, just how intuitive he is, how confident he is, and how it's giving her so much confidence around horses. And she's actually more confident, I think, with this one month out of the wild Mustang than she is with some of the other lesson horses, just because of his personality. And it's just amazing how it just comes together. I just keep doing it and I keep moving forward towards the goal and people and horses just keep popping up and pairing up. So I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. But you really get to know them when you are working them from the ground instead of just start with riding. Yeah, definitely. I do a lot of Pirelli exercises. I don't know if you know of Pat yeah. Pirelli, but he, I think that program has a lot of like step by step. And I love that it starts on the ground with, and he calls it games that you play with your horse. Yes. So I really like that terminology. I like the idea of that. And I just feel like when you go through those seven games, you really find out, even when I go to train a normal horse at whatever barn, i pretty much just run through those first seven games so that I can see mm -hmm. where are the holes? Where am I going to struggle here? What's the problem? And I can overcome them so much better because I really just feel like that's a good foundation of doing all that groundwork and connecting. And with a Mustang, you kind of almost have to do that because otherwise yeah. things can get dangerous very fast when you, they're just, they will go all out and do whatever it takes to defend themselves or get away or okay they're not <laughs> feeling good about the situation no of course it must be a, a, a big change for them to come in and and can't get away and a lot of people and yeah must be yeah. A, a big big change yeah <laughs> yeah There's that's a fantastic do, do you have any of your Mustangs in the riding school now, or is it usually his horses? Um, No, my Mustang Maverick, I've had him now for four, four or five years, and he is doing lessons for little kids on the lead line. He's doing riding lessons for adults. And actually this last season, one of my students wanted to take him to a jumping show. So we practiced all season long and we ended up taking him to a little local jumping show and doing some little cross rail classes. And they got, I think, four or five different ribbons for the day. So that was really cool. They're definitely, I want to have more Mustangs in the program, but the barn that I'm at is only has only certain amount of stalls. And that's the hardest mm -hmm. thing is that if I want to keep adopting them, I need to move the horse to a different barn so that I can keep having stalls for other Mustangs. So ideally, I would have like a 100 stall barn and everything would 
just be able to stay and be part of the program but yeah. it's good when they go to other barns and they find other homes but at least one or two if I can afford to keep them and pay for their care and all of that I think mm -hmm. that it's well worth it to have them in the program <laughs> and yeah. then we just have some normal horses that are 15 to 20 years old that are good solid safe horses for people to learn how to ride on okay do do the Mustangs learn something from the the other horses or you keep them separate? Oh no, they're right in there with them. And I think that they learn a lot from the other horses. Mm -hmm. They immediately, like the first day, will put their little grain bin over the fence with their little grain to just see if they even like grain or not. And a lot of times they don't even know what it is. They won't even oh. try it, but they'll see the other horses and they'll come right up and they're so excited about their grain and they'll stick their head right in and the Mustangs watch. And then after a day or two, it doesn't take very long and you put the thing over and they're coming right up and eating like the normal horses. So it's really cool. And I think that they teach the other horses too, because when they're out playing together, the other horses are so worried about when do I go back to the barn and this is my space and trying to more defend their life and the Mustangs when they're together they're like this is playtime this is just fun to be together I'm not worried about you know who's going to eat the food later they're well. just they're not focused on oh this is my barn and now I'm out they're just like oh now we're all together so yeah. they'll play more and they'll kind of kick and bite and stuff but I don't think they're trying to be as aggressive. It's more the barn horses, the regular domestic horses that I have to worry about going out with other horses. And are they going to really get so aggressive that they just, you know, they just can't get along in like a society. And I think most of the Mustangs, there are definitely some, you know, crazier ones and outliers. But for the mm. most part, I think Mustangs can pretty much go out with any horse they're just friendlier they're just more accepting and they're mm. just like on the windy days you don't have to worry if you can ride your mustang or not because they don't really care yeah, about the, wind or the rain or mm. they're just like whatever but yeah. it's the barn stuff if they see a weird cone in the corner or something mm. then, oh my <laughs> gosh so it's definitely different or one of my students was she wanted to do her first canner and I said okay let's I'm gonna go put something in the barn I'll come out and we'll do your first canner and I came out and the horse it was a mustang and she was trying to see if she wanted to buy it or not and she the horse was bucking she was flying off and I was like Ooh. what happened and she said I went to put my phone down on the barrel and when I set the phone down it made a noise and it just set this horse off and Oh, it was just crazy, but she was fine. And she ended up buying that horse and she actually went on to start barrel racing with it and won, wow. I think, $1,200 at a local event just a few months ago. So it's really cool to see when you're committed and you get through it and you work through it with your Mustang, how much more you can get accomplished. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But just little things like that, that you wouldn't even think of. And it's like, with a normal horse, they've seen that a hundred times, but with a Mustang, I mean, we've done months and months of training and still one little noise. It's like yeah. just not something she was used to at all. So mm -hmm. <sighs> always new challenges. Yes. And, and in, on the other side, as you said, the wind is not dangerous. It's not like, like our horses when they come up and, oh, it's windy and <laughs> they don't want to go out. Or going on trail rides. I love going on trail rides with Mustangs because yes. they're just so used to the outdoors. They don't care yes. about 
you know, galloping around a field. They're just at home out there. So yeah, it's really nice. How many horses do you have then? So I technically own one and then I have, I kind of do like a rental situation. So my barn owner has five horses and when I have the people come for their lesson, I'll basically rent the horse from her for an hour and then the person will pay me and then she takes care of their main expenses, like their barn stall and their food and cleaning up after them and stuff. But that's the best way that I've been able to keep my program going. I used to try to pay for all the horses and then do all the upkeep and then try to get enough people coming to make it work out. But it just wasn't, I couldn't really grow with that model. It was just the certain amount of horses I had. And then I had to have a lot of people coming to take care of those horses. And it just didn't offer the ability to get different horses in. So this way we can have our barn. We have 17 horses at the barn. Most of them are boarding horses from another trainer that we use for some lessons. And then some of them are my barn owners. And then I have my personal horse that I do a lot of the lessons and the show stuff with, and I take them camping and stuff. But yeah, that's mostly how the program works is that I just have my one. And then here in Las Vegas, we're all stuck in little box stalls. So we just don't Mm. have a lot of opportunity to spread out, but we just do what we can with what we have. Yeah, I can imagine. I actually was in Las Vegas once, (laughs) so I know how it looks. (laughs) Yeah, there's not very many spaces for horses, but... That's right. Yeah. But I can imagine you have a lot of people that that will come out because it's it's so beautiful to be with horses. Yeah. And there are a ton of people that are moving here from California because it's just so expensive there. And everybody that comes from California wants to be in a program and loves horses or did it when they were little and now they want their kids to do it or they want to do it themselves. So I get a lot of those people and a lot of people traveling that just want to do something different than the regular stuff on the strip. So there's definitely a variety of people and a lot of outside of the main casino area. A lot of it is just like a small town. There's a lot of little horse parks where you can take your horse and go ride around the arenas. Okay. And there's actually a lot of trails you can go ride around and see things. So outside of the main chaos, it's actually pretty horse friendly here, but we just don't have a lot of space. We're just stuck in between all the mountains. So yeah. Okay. Do you have all ages then who comes and and wants to ride? Yeah, my youngest right now, I think is five. And then my oldest is in her 60s, I want to say. So I have, it's about 50-50 of kids that are just getting started and then adults that want to get either back into it or a lot of them are just brand new, have never really been around horses And most of the other programs in town are more geared for people that already know how to handle horses and they just want to ride and get better at riding, or they just want to go on a friendly trail ride and they don't really want to learn about riding. Mm -hmm. So I think my program is really unique in that these adults can really learn how to eventually own their own horse, because that's what I want for them is to get fall in love with a horse and then eventually get another horse that's maybe a mustang (laughs) yeah 
Do you have so, special yeah. programs for that? Yeah, I have just my main riding one. And then I'm actually creating a very specific Mustang program for mm -hmm. if you want to buy and train your own Mustang, I can basically help you through that whole process where we can go to the pen together, we can bring it to the ranch together, we can go through all the training, and then, you know, you'll have that horse, you'll still spend, I mean, right now to buy a nice riding horse is probably around $10,000. Yeah. And to get a Mustang, the one that I just picked up for my competition was $25. So oh, even wow. if you spend, <laughs> yeah, even if you spend $5,000 getting, you know, this training and this education and the resources and getting it all set up, you're probably going to end up with a better horse in the end that has great feet, that has great gut and health and no issues. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have it trained and it's going to be your best friend and you're going to have the whole process. So I've done it now with the one student that fell in love with Canyon and now my next Mustang Gershwin. So I feel like, okay, I have these test subjects. I know that it can work and I know people want to, they want to figure out how do I go adopt? How, what paperwork do I have to do? There's so much of a process when I get it home, how do I get it to not jump over the fence and just run away? There's so much to it. And so I have a free course if anybody's interested, it's mysteryofthemustang.com. And that one you can go through and it shows you videos from other horse owners. It shows you pictures of panels that people have set up that have made their fence higher than other fence and just things like that. All sorts of different stories to kind of prepare yourself of how you're going to get the Mustang. And then the next section of the learning is my program called unraveling the mystery and that's a, that's basically a 16 week training program where i have put in all of my videos from other mustangs that i've trained and i've separated them into specific weeks of okay you first get it home here's what your goals are for the first week. Here's videos of these other horses. So you can kind of see different personalities. Here's one that wants to kick at me. Here's how I dealt with it. Here's one that just wants to be away from me, wants nothing to do with me. And so you can kind of be like, oh, that looks more like my horse. And then you can watch and learn and try to do it with your horse that you adopt on your own. But this new thing is gonna, this, this program is called Main Mission. M-A-N-E, like a horse mane, main mission. And that one is going to be more of a $5,000 program that you actually pick out your horse and we go together and we do it all together. So that will be in Las Vegas and a like a year long process or at least six months, I would say, because you get it home and the first three months is really getting, preparing it to be ridden. And then the next three months is just the basics of riding and then you can go from there. But I think that people have enough interest. They want to do it. They want to figure out how to do the adoption and how to do it. And they have the funds and they want to do this with a Mustang instead of just spend $10,000 on whatever horse and, you know, trailer it in. And, you know, they want, they want that passion and that excitement and that bond and that connection. So and that knowledge. Yeah. That is very, very good it. to you have, have as you said. Yeah. If yeah. they if they ever want to buy a new horse again, they have the knowledge and, and can do it again. Yeah, that's fantastic. So you have both uh, digital and and physical uh, courses, such as yeah, this. all yeah. of my 
all of my virtual stuff is up on my website. It's whitmeyermustangs.com. And on there, I have blog stories and different programs that you can take virtually. And then I have virtual lessons that I give to people all around the country. And then if people are here in Las Vegas, then they can come and do the in-person lessons and hopefully the big main mission program sometime in the next year or two, I'll get one or two people started up with that. So that'll be really fun. And as you said, you it don't have to be a Mustang. You can can treat every horse in the same way because they are the same very true yeah there's a lot of people that go on these kill pen websites and things like that and they want to save a horse but they have no idea what to do with them so that would be the same situation somebody that just you have the heart for it you want to do the right thing you want to do good for this horse but you just don't have you don't have the resources you don't and you don't have that support going through it a lot of people will say okay I know what to do then they'll start doing it and then they'll post a video and then all these critics come out of nowhere Mm -hmm. and they feel like they can't do it anymore and that's Mm -hmm. just so disheartening to me because the horse industry should be supportive of people trying to get into it and it seems like a lot of them are trying to push people away or you know my way is the right way and no other way works and it's just horses are so different you have to treat them all so differently so I think giving people videos and the knowledge like this really empowers them to you know I'm going to shut off all these critics and I'm just going to focus on this and tomorrow's a new day and it's not always going to be perfect and it's going to be okay (laughs) and I'm there to support them through it yeah and and you never uh, learn this on a on a usual riding school this is very special. Yeah, so. definitely. I think people are very attracted to the Mustangs and the, the, you know, the wild spirit that lives in all of us. It's mm. very special and people want to unlock that. Yeah. Are they, uh, the Mustangs, are they, uh, I, I assume it's, it's a horse and, 150 160 centimeters uh, or something like that yeah a lot of the wild ones are on the smaller side so that's hard but there are definitely some areas that are known to have bigger horses and they're just some bigger horses in each area so you just kind of have to be picky my horse is kind of small but that's okay with me because he's Mm. big enough for me but I do try when I go and I can pick them out myself I try to get the biggest oldest one that's available that's usually about between four and seven years old I try to find something that's you know five or six years old that people know it's going to be a solid horse it's already been you know it's already gotten to this point in life and it's already this big it's already this strong so that definitely helps, but there's 60,000 horses right now just sitting in these holding pens. So there's a lot to choose from and you can definitely pick a big one if you want or a speckled one or whatever, Mm. whatever kind of one you want and try with it because there are so many of them that need homes. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have something like that in in europe it's it's not at all the same so i can there has been a few mustangs from here that have been 
exported now to Germany. Yes. So that's exciting. Yeah. There are mm-hmm. they are trying to travel out in the world. So that's good. Yeah. And as you said, it it's a little bit like exotic to have a, a Mustang that is something different and special. Yeah. Yeah. yeah such cool horses. I love them. That's fantastic. There was really a lot of things that I didn't know. I I uh, learn something every time I have <laughs> this podcast. Fantastic. And um, we will put your uh, links uh, here also so people can find you if they want to learn more. And uh, I think it sounds very exciting with your with your homepage and uh, all these things that you have thank you yeah it's been a really really fun journey i'm four years into it now and i don't plan on stopping anytime soon so my goal is to get 150 mustangs adopted out of the wild and into good homes and i think i'm on number six right now so i've got a lot of work to do (laughs) (laughs) you have to find a bigger place (laughs) yes (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's good to have a plan certainly so yeah yeah thank you very much for telling us about that i think it's fantastic and very exciting to hear about it so yeah, thank you so much for having me i will be back anytime you'd like to chat about horses <laughs> yes we would love to hear more so uh, <laughs> sounds good yeah thank you very much and uh, thank you out there who have been listening or looking at this. And please subscribe to this uh, podcast because it means a lot to me that we get more listeners and, and viewers. So thank you so much for today. And thanks to you for coming today. And we see you soon yeah. again. Bye-bye.